understanding. And hear now these words from Luke 11, 5 through 13. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to see me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and the one to who knocks the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, if your sons ask you for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he ask for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Dave, and thank you, Natalie and Tatiana, for sharing your gifts of music with us. If you've been here at United Church over the summer months, you know I've been preaching a series of sermons on the parables. And we turn to another uh, parable today in Luke chapter 11, the parable of the friend at midnight. Let us pray. Wise and loving God, may the words of my mind and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you today and always. Amen. Thought I would begin with a question. Do any of you all have in your family someone whose personal quirks embarrass you in public? I know that I have someone in my extended family who has a personal quirk that drives me bonkers. Very frequently, whenever we go out to dinner, she will order something that is not on the menu. The waiter or waitress will come and offer up a menu, and there'll be, you know, nine or ten different options, and she'll ask about the eleventh one. Or she'll ask about mixing sides. Or if something is fried, she'll ask for it to be blackened. And then sometimes there will be, you know, steak, pork, and chicken on the menu, and she will ask the waiter or waitress, do you have any fish? Drives me bonkers. She orders off the menu. Why does it drive me bonkers? It drives me bonkers because I am a menu person. On two pieces of laminated paper, I like to see what's possible. I like to know what the options are. I'm a rational person. I make a living delivering sermons that hopefully are linear, that have certain points. 
I'm an analyst. I like to know what can happen and what cannot happen. I'm a menu person. And I also know this about myself. From time to time, my menu personality bleeds over into my faith. For oftentimes when I go to God in prayer, I go to God with preconceived notions about what is or is not possible. Oftentimes when I go to God in prayer, I forget that God is big and majestic and mysterious. And I will only order up from God in prayer what is on the menu. But Jesus' teaching today is for me and it is for all of us. And it seems to suggest that we may ought to move out of our comfort zone. For I think I sense that part of what Jesus wants to teach us in telling the parable of the friend at midnight is to very boldly when we pray, to be sure that we pray what is not on the menu. Walk back into this parable with me so that we can understand what Jesus is teaching about prayer. Once upon a time, we're told that Jesus teaches about prayer and shares with his disciples and the crowds the Lord's Prayer. And then he tells a parable. He says that once upon a time, there was a man who had a visitor to his home that was hungry, and the man ran out of bread. So the man went to his next-door neighbor's house and knocked on his next-door neighbor's door over and over again to try to get the bread that he needed. But his next-door neighbor would not open his home immediately because he was asleep and so were his children. Well, Jesus said, the man just kept on knocking and finally the door opened up. And Jesus goes on to say, so it will be with your God in heaven in prayer. That if you are willing to knock on that door and be persistent, God will answer your prayer. Now, Jesus' teaching here is not that God will respond only under duress and in a pinch. Rather, Jesus' teaching here is that if your human friend begrudgingly will respond to your importune request, then how much more will God the Father in heaven respond to your prayer? If your persistence in a human relationship yields what it is that you are trying to receive, then how much more will being persistent in prayer yield what it is that you're asking God for? Jesus then continues on by hammering home his point, if you will, toward the end. He says, which of you, if a child asks uh, for something and perhaps asks uh, for uh, an egg, will give that child a scorpion? Or which of you, if a child asks for a fish, will give that child a snake? Of course none of you will do that. And you are not only an imperfect father or parent, you're a sinful person, someone who's flawed, and you still give your child what it is your child asks for. So then how much more will your perfect and sinless Father in heaven deliver on your prayer requests? You see, part of what this parable does is it encourages us to pray in such a way that transcends any and all human relationships. To pray in such a way that brings forth to God those requests that we have on our hearts 
that are not on the menu. To pray with wonder and awe about what we might not even ever conceive to be possible. Really, the parable demands that we ask a hard question of ourselves, which is, when was the last time we shared a prayer with God that was not on the menu? When was the last time we prayed in response to Matthew 26, 19, that God can do all things? When was the last time we prayed in light of Ephesians 3.20 that Kathy just read for us a few moments ago that God can do more than we can even ask or imagine? Those questions make you as squeamish as they sometimes make me because I'm a menu person. I like to know what is possible and impossible. But part of what this parable suggests that we ought to do is to pray to a God who is big and glorious and to perhaps even extend ourselves to pray what is not on the menu. You know, it's funny. I remember about three Sundays ago now, I was um, watching the Weather Channel and was negotiating how in worship I was going to pray for the impending hurricane, Hurricane Dorian. So I began to start negotiating my prayer language. You know, thinking about how diplomatically I might uh, pray uh, for this storm so that it wouldn't cause harm. And I was thinking all about my language, but I couldn't quite get the words right. So I, I did what I thought was wise. I just handed it off to the assistant minister. <laughs> and so I get in worship and I say, I wonder what Kathy is going to say. And she gets up in the, in, the, in the pulpit here and she begins to start praying for Dorian. And she says... God, steer this storm away from as many people as possible. And I got a little bit of a chuckle when I was sitting in this chair. You know why? Because that prayer wasn't on the menu. <laughs> God, steer this storm away. That's a great big prayer that is beyond the menus that sometimes we make out when we go to pray to God. Consider for a moment in your life where recently you've been praying a prayer and you've just been praying what's on the menu. You perhaps have either stopped praying the prayer or just conceded to what you believe is possible. Uh, perhaps there's a situation in your life and you've prayed for that situation to change, but you've just decided that you're just going to keep your prayer on the menu and that's going to be that. Or perhaps there is a person in your life who is in need of healing or you're in need of healing and you've kind of prayed a little bit but you've just conceded so you've kept your request just kind of on the menu because it is what it's going to be. Or perhaps there's a circumstance in your life and you've been praying and praying about it. It hasn't really happened. So you've just kind of conceded in prayer, maybe even stopped praying and just decided that you're going to pray whatever it is that's on the menu and that's going to be that. Part of what this parable encourages us to do is to re-examine those prayers and to think about how we might offer up a prayer that is not on the menu. For when we do that, we are so blessed. But you say, preacher, what happens if I pray a prayer that's not on the menu and it isn't answered? 
That question often arises when we read the parable of the friend at midnight. It often arises in Bible study or any time we read this parable. And I ask that question almost first and foremost when I read the parable because the teaching almost certainly suggests that when we pray to God, we ought to pray in a big and bold way. And we also ought to pray very specifically for God to provide for us. So if we go to God and we offer up a prayer that is big and bold and not on the menu, and it doesn't happen according to our terms or on our timing, should we still pray what is not on the menu? And my answer today would be absolutely yes. For in praying a prayer to that God who is beyond the menu, who is mysterious and marvelous, we have so much strength and hope in a time of need. If we pray for God to steer away a storm and a storm hits, what strength and hope do we have in that big God in whom we have handed off our need? If we pray to God for healing and it doesn't happen on our terms or in our time, what strength do we have in the midst of that tragedy or in the midst of that crisis? Our strength is in the great big God in whom we have handed off that request. As one theologian put it, the size of our God in prayer may be more important than that what it is we are praying for. Or let me put it another way. Uh, some years ago, a theologian was talking about our hope in the face of challenge. And he said that our hope in the face of challenge is directly proportional to the size of the God in whom we pray. If we pray to a God who is simply uh, inside of a box in accordance with our menus, then when we face challenge, how much hope and strength do we have? Not much. But when we're willing to pray that prayer that is not on the menu to a God who is big, mysterious, glorious, and majestic. When we face challenge, how much hope do we have? We have much hope, and we have much strength. If God, our Father in heaven, hears our prayers, and if that God is big, what great strength we have in a time of need. A wonderful Christian author by the name of uh, Philip Yancey illustrates this concept of how important it is to pray specifically to a great big God, whether or not the prayer request ever comes about. And he tells this story in association with the parable of the friend at midnight, and I think you'll get it. It's a very powerful illustration. He tells the story of a small country Methodist church and there's a minister at the church who had a young family, including a daughter who was six years old. And the church, some of your churches uh, previously may have had this particular practice. Uh, during the prayer time, because it was a smaller rural church, the minister would share with the, with the congregation, do any of you have any prayer requests to bring forward? And people would raise hands or stand up and share their community prayers. Well, on this particular Sunday morning, the minister stood up and asked for prayer requests, and the first one was just one that was so heavy. There was a mom and dad who stood up, and they were very tearful, 
and they shared in front of the whole conversation that their son, who was away in college, got into a terrible car accident the night before, and they asked for the minister's prayers and for the prayers of the entire congregation, and, and, and you could have heard a pin drop in the room. It was this very deep, uh, tragic, uh, sacred moment. Well, then next, a hand shot up in the air, and it was the minister's six-year-old daughter. And the six-year-old, unable to pick up on the gravity of the moment, cried out, Daddy, Daddy, I want you to pray for our hermit crab. And the minister said, sweetie, sweetie, let's, you know, let's, let's stop this. But she kept on talking, and she said, Dad, I not only want you to pray for our hermit crab... I want you to pray that our hermit crab gets a new shell and for you to get the hermit crab a new shell. And I want it to be slightly pink with tan lines and just the right size for the hermit crab. And the minister said, oh, goodness, you know, what a, what a timely prayer request. So he got through his sermon, he got through the final hymn, and he got to the door and he just couldn't wait to apologize to the parents who were in need. Parents came to the door, and they were still kind of tearful and crying. He said, I am so sorry about your son, and I am sorry about my six-year-old daughter. She just doesn't understand the gravity of something like that. And mom and dad took a step back from the minister and said, oh, no, make no mistake. It is a God who cares about the details of a hermit crab that I want in that hospital room with my son right now. Which of you, if your children ask for a fish, will give them a snake? Which of you, if your child asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If a friend will begrudgingly open that door and give you what you need here on earth, how much more will God our Father in heaven respond to your request? If your parents on earth will care enough about you to deliver on your requests for the details of a hermit crab, then how much more will your loving Father in heaven, who is perfect, be able to deliver on a request that you have that may not be on the menu? I'll close with a final uh, word about this parable. Uh, this parable, I've only preached on it twice in my ministry. And it was interesting, the first time I preached on this parable, I did not yet have children. And so when I read the parable for the first time in Luke 11, I got a little bit of a chuckle out of this uh, when it talked about how the friend at midnight did not want to wake up his children. And that's why he didn't open the door. And I was, you know, thinking about this and myself, if this were me, you know, and I was the friend at midnight, would I open up the door for someone in need after my children have gone down? And you parents and grandparents know that that's a glorious moment. You have your children who are asleep and someone knocks on your door. Are you really going to open it up, give them bread and, and wake up your children? So I began to start asking questions, you know, what could this, uh, what could this mean? And one of the Bible commentators I read pointed out something very, very interesting. He said, what if it is right in our interpretation of this parable to imagine God as the alternative to the friend at midnight? That God, too, has a home up in heaven. A home, as we're told in Scripture, with many, many rooms. 
And God, when we pray, doesn't begrudgingly sit back, but rather opens up the door of heaven itself to hear our prayers. And when God does, God's children in heaven, namely the saints, loved ones who have gone before us in faith, they all wake up and hear that prayer too. And so when we pray, heaven itself is opened up and God with the saints and the great cloud of witnesses work in tandem to hear and respond to our requests. What do I learn about that when it comes to my prayers? Every time I am willing to pray boldly to a God who is big and powerful. Every time I am willing to pray a prayer that is not on the menu, heaven's door swings open. The kingdom is given to me. The Holy Spirit comes into my life and God and all of the saints hear what request I petition. Ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door of heaven will be open up to you as well.